The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Can you believe it, KC? The Royals are going back to the World Series. And how special is that to say out loud? Not only are we going to the World Series, going back to the World Series. Who would have ever imagined that back in August of 2005? Or April of 2010, right? The Royals become the fifth team in MLB history to go back following, you know, losing a game seven the previous year, the elimination game. The previous four have all won, so we'll see if the Royals can follow suit, and we will preview this World Series in-depth here on Clubhouse Conversation. It's your dish with Davo. Yeah, we'll get to the Mets. We'll talk about them lineup-wise. Starting rotation, how they stack up. We'll look a little bit at their bullpen, and I'll give you my prediction and my thoughts on what happens in this World Series. That's all coming up here in a few minutes. And I would like to point out that I said Royals in five over the Astros, and I said Royals in six over Toronto. I did alter that mid-series against Toronto and say five after game four, but I originally said six. So, so far, not bad in the predictions, and a decent chance I'm going to pick the Royals. But I'll give you plenty of reasons why. We're not just going to be total homers here on your dish, although we are homers. Let's be real here. But we begin by breaking down game six of the ALCS and with our player of the game. And who else could it possibly be except for Wade Davis? And where else would you start in breaking this game down than the eighth inning? And that's where the Royals found themselves with a pretty commanding 3-1 to one lead over Toronto. And I say commanding. I know Toronto had the top of their order coming up. But the Royals had Wade Davis getting loose during the seventh inning. We also had Ryan Matson get up. But we had Davis loose. And Ned, after the game, said, you know, they asked him if the score was still 2-1, to one, would you have gone to Davis instead of Matson? And he said, probably not. I, I think he would have. I do think he would have. Otherwise, why would have Davis have been getting hot there before that inning? Matson gets hot once the Royals get the third run and comes in eventually. And it's, of course, the horrible move. And this is not 2020 criticism looking back, you know, 2020, you know, 2020 division afterwards. This is pretty obvious stuff when you look at what happened in that eighth inning. So Alex Rios to take a step back, gives the Royals a big 3-1 to one lead after coming through with a big two-out hit. The Royals had two previous times in this game with a chance, a runner in scoring position with two outs to extend the lead. Couldn't do it, but Alex Rios comes through as he has a good majority of this series and even going back to the end of last series. Of course, he's the one that kicks off the rally against Houston that we all will talk about for years and years and years and years from now. Rios, a big clutch hit there, has done a lot of good things in this series. And that gets the Royals the big insurance run. You had Kelvin Herrera, who had gone an inning and two-thirds in relief perfectly, by the way, of your Donovan Ventura with two Ks. Blew through those innings. So an inning and two-thirds, essentially two innings from Herrera. So you're up by two, but the Jays have the one, two, three hitters coming up. Now, a couple other factors to look at, and Ned talked about this, is you've got rain probably 15 to 25 minutes away. You knew it was coming around 9.55-ish. But like I said, you already had Wade Davis hot, as well as Matson. You go with Matson. A few points on this. Number one, Ned said one of the reasons was because he wanted to get a little bit deeper in the game, try to get a, steal a couple more outs from Matson, and try to avoid putting Davis in before the rain delay because he expected it to come at 9:55. He said. He also said though that he thought the rain delay would only be about 15 minutes. 15 minutes plus another 20, we'll say, to get the field ready. So maybe a 35 to 40-minute rain delay in that scenario. 
ended up being a 45-minute rain delay total, plus, of course, another 20 minutes while the Royals hit. And we know that Davis stayed in in the end, which we'll get to here in a minute. But you can't, first of all, manage a game based on the weather. We've seen it before, managers trying to get cute and trying to save their starting pitcher for the fourth inning. And, you know, I think Cleveland did that a few years ago with Eric Wedge, I believe it was. Tried to steal two or three innings with the bullpen because they were convinced the rain was coming. The Royals got a big lead. The rain never came. And it just looks stupid. This is the playoffs. This is to get to game one of the World Series. This is to avoid a game seven where historically teams that are ahead three to one and blow the next two do not do well in game seven. And a big question mark, of course, it would have been with Johnny Cueto there. So the first thing is you don't manage based on the weather. Okay, more. All right. So I got to stay on. I got to stay calm here. Two, it's the top of the lineup. Like I said, Ben Revere, Josh Donaldson, Jose Bautista. If anything rings a save situation, it's those three with Edwin Encarnacion lurking fourth. Three, Matson has been getting lit up throughout most of the postseason, back to the Houston series, been getting hit very hard. And Ryan Matson has been an integral part of this bullpen. I hope he is back next year. He has been great. And I would trust him in the World Series, by the way. I'd throw him out there again. Maybe not in the eighth inning. Maybe I'm moving Herrera up to the eighth. Ned's mostly been using Herrera, Matson, Davis. Maybe I'm going more Hochever, Herrera, Davis. And maybe Matson becomes my sixth inning guy. But I'm still trusting Matson as my fourth best reliever as of right now. I'm still using Matson, and I definitely am trying to bring him back next year. Okay, so we're not we're not bashing Matson. And in the end, we're not really bashing Yost that much because I've been so supportive of Ned this year. I think I've questioned him honest to God maybe twice this entire season he's been great this year all right and we praise him all the time here but in this situation you don't use Ryan Matson to get to the World Series because four Wade Davis hasn't pitched in six days Wade Davis last pitched in game two on Saturday the 17th six full days earlier five you've already used Kelvin Herrera for two innings so you're not going to use your best reliever for two innings and I know well the weather was lurking well you're going to get through that eighth inning no matter what with Davis right you got 20 to 25 minutes before the rain comes. You're going to get through the eighth. If you get through the eighth with a two-run lead, take your chances. Worst case, you go to Matson in the ninth, and you back him up with Hochever if you have to. You can't manage based on the weather. And plus, if Ned thought it was only going to be a 15-minute delay, you know, Davis may have only had to sit out for 40 or 45 minutes, which normally is the cutoff. That normally is, in fairness to Ned, the cutoff. A guy's normally not coming back out. But it just made no sense last night. And this wasn't really a, a retrospective criticism. Now, with all that said, let's give Wade Davis a ton of credit because you know what happened. Well, to start off before the rain delay, the eighth inning, Ben Revere gets an infield hit, a bouncing ball over Moose that the Royals can't quite, Escobar can't quite get him at first. Now, Matson does strike out Josh Donaldson. Perhaps Donaldson missed a pitch there, a belt-high fastball, but he does strike him out, gets that first out, but then, boom, second home run of the game for Jose Bautista. Ties the game up. So at that point, you have to go. You have to go get Davis, right? Nope. Edwin Encarnacion with 40 home run power. Ned leaves it. Matson in to face him as well. And luckily, he walks him because Matson at that point had to have been completely snake bitten and shell shocked. He walks Encarnacion. Then Ned finally goes and gets him. And keep in mind, Davis had been back up after the infield hit to lead off that inning. Easily could have come back in before the inning, but if not after the Bautista home run. Anyway, I'm not going to turn this into a bash session here. So he goes and gets Davis, and that's when Davis becomes our player of the game because he becomes Wade Davis. Instead of getting the one, two, three, and maybe four hitters, he comes in and gets the five and six hitters in the tie game. 
gets Chris Colabella to pop out, Troy Tulowitzki to strike out. Then comes the rain delay. It's over an hour and five minutes until Davis eventually comes back out for the ninth and saves the day. He stayed active during the rain delay. The Royals get that big run on Lorenzo Cain scoring from first base on the single from Eric Hosmer. Big props to Mike Jersley. Huge props on that play. What a play. And, of course, Kane, uh, Hosmer rounds first base big time, which enables the throw to go to second. It probably would have anyways. Jersley had been seeing Bautista come up throwing in that situation to second all series, and you can bet your bottom dollar that's a thing that Royals advanced scouts have noticed as well that passed on to Jersh, and he's seen that throughout the series. It's one good thing about seeing a team six games. You get to know them pretty damn well. But Hosmer helped sell the play, and I'm not saying it was an intentionally done play because I believe it wasn't, but Hosmer rounds first hard as he should, and Jersh never hesitates, and Kane never stopped running. All three of those guys, Hosmer, Kane, and Jersh, deserve big credit. And Because it really wasn't that bad of a play by Bautista. How many guys are scoring from first base on a single? Plus, you have to assume Hosmer's going for two on that. I mean, you can't, I mean, as much as we want to bash Bautista for that, it's great that he made the play there. I mean, in the end, it wasn't really a bad play, as much as it was a great play by the Royals. So Wade Davis comes back out. The Royals eventually get the lead. They have a first and second, by the way, up one, and can't push across another run as Moose can't advance the runners and Salvi grounds into the double play. That looked like it could become a big issue then in the ninth inning when Davis gives up the leadoff single to Russell Martin. And then, of course, John Gibbons goes to Dalton Pompey as his runner. He swipes second. He swipes third. A walk from Davis to Kevin Pillar, and you've got Hochaver getting hot. Now you're thinking, man, this is all messed up now. Oh, no. First and third, nobody out. Now, you know you've got Wade Davis out there. Let's be honest with ourselves here. You had to assume, though, he'd probably give up one. You knew the guy from first base wasn't scoring on Wade Davis. But this is a fatigued Wade Davis. This is an hour plus after he'd been getting hot before coming in for Ryan Matson. I mean, he'd been getting hot and or in the game for nearly two hours by this point. Hour and a half easy. So you knew that the Jays were probably going to tie the game, right? But you didn't think anything more. And that's only because Davis is human. First and third, nobody out. And you have a pinch hitter coming up from the top of the order. How many other guys in baseball are, A, not giving up any runs there, but, B, only giving up one? I mean, Toronto scores a lot of runs. But Davis <laughs> becomes Davis again. Strikes out. Deonor Navarro, the pinch hitter, the lefty, one out. Strikes out Ben Revere. And I don't want to hear his bitching after the game about the strike zone. The Royals have been seeing bad strikes on this entire series, especially Cueto got squeezed earlier. Then you've got, of course, in game five, the big call where Volquez didn't get the, the punch out against Bautista, which led to some runs that we talked about. At least probably two additional runs came in off of that that changed that game. I don't want to hear anything. The home run from Moose in the second inning was clearly a home run on the replay. And you know what? I thought that that was going to be fan interference. But when I saw the ball live, I thought the Royals fan did interfere with it. So I went into the replay thinking... There was no way the Royals were going to keep that home run. But it's clear and convincing evidence. There was, if you look at that. So I don't want to hear any bitching from the Blue Jays. Anyway, back on track. Davis strikes out Navarro and Revere. And Josh Donaldson, you know what happened. The Royals going back to the World Series, man. Second straight year. How cool is that seeing Moose to Haas? The two cornerstones of the newer Royals, you know, coming up. You had Alex Gordon and Billy Butler back in the day. Salvi was never the prospect that was going to save the day. Kind of came out of nowhere. But Hosmer and Moose were. And how fitting for those two to, you know, make the final out of the game for the second straight year to send the Royals to the World Series. And how fitting that the MVP the last two years came from the Grinky trade. Lorenzo Kane last year, Alcides Escobar this year. I'd say the Royals won that trade. I'd say that getting Wade Davis 
And Jake Odorizzi essentially helped the Royals get Wade Davis. So you could also argue that the Grinky trade got Wade Davis as well. I'm pretty sure the Royals won that Zobris trade, by the way, no matter what happens with Sean Mania. Pretty sure Dayton Moore, the fleece move of the offseason for the rest of the team, signing Kentris Morales, juggernaut move, best free agent signing of the offseason, Morales. Alex Rios is now hitting. <laughs> Ryan Matson, we know he's, we talked about him a second ago. Chris Young in spring training, look what he's done. Chris Medlin's been good throughout this year, and I think he'll be really good next year when he gets that extra year coming off Tommy John. What a night for the Royals. And what a tribute to Dayton Moore, number one, and his entire brass. J.J. Piccolo, Scott Sharp, Lonnie Goldberg. You go all up and down. Rene Francisco has helped in the past. You, I mean, you can just go on and on and on and on and on. All the scouts, advanced scouts. You can seriously go through. I, I can open my media guide right now and just list off everybody. There's about 25 guys that have all done something notable to help get the Royals where they are. Ned Yost deserves a ton of credit. We've been giving Ned credit all year. Sticking with this guy, sticking with Moose during all these slumps, letting Escobar bat the years we wanted him to get pinch hit for when he couldn't do anything and the Royals were getting their butts kicked. There was a purpose, and Ned said there was, and he was right. So, I mean, it's just a special thing. And it was a very good thing that the Royals were able to win this game despite, honest to God, the worst managing Ned's ever done. I don't think Ned's as bad as everybody else does. Or not everybody else does, but a lot of people, including the Wall Street Journal, who called him a dunce last year, think he's not a great manager. Of course, now has the best winning percentage in postseason history, which is pretty funny, and is for sure a Royals Hall of Famer, and hopefully about to take his team to a World Series championship. He'll manage the All-Star team again next year. You know? I still don't understand what happened there, but I'm assuming it won't happen again in the World Series in a similar scenario. So the Royals get through this game and win the game, and I hope this is fair analysis of this game for the Royals. What a team, right? And back to Wade Davis for a second, I still think we take him for granted. And I know that sounds stupid, because everybody knows how lucky we are to have him. Everyone talks about Davis. He's no longer a hidden secret in baseball. But I still think we take him for granted. I don't think you can understand how valuable he is till he's gone. I don't think you can ever understand something truly special until it's gone, until it passes. And hopefully Davis is here for a few more years. I believe he has one more year on the contract. But, I mean, and, but just, I mean, even if he's here, I mean, how many more years can he continue to pitch historically great baseball? Historically great. I just don't think it can be comprehended how good it is. Even though we know, we can look at the numbers and tell ourselves how good it is, do we really, really know how great he is and how lucky we are? I don't think you possibly can. You can't wrap your arms around it until years pass. So what a special thing. And I just feel so lucky to have a guy like Wade Davis. But like I said, the big point is this whole organization. It's an organization to be proud of. That's what I took the most last night. Aren't you proud to be a Kansas City Royals fan? You don't got guys running around getting DUIs and 20 minutes after the season ends saying they're going to become free agents and not exercise their contracts. You don't have guys flipping their bats 15 feet in the air. No steroids right now in recent years. Just good guys who battle for each other. They get to work. They embody the city. They love each other. They love the city. This special group. Something else that we'll probably never really truly be able to appreciate until it's gone. I mean, it's just like it's we appreciate it so much. That's the thing. We appreciate this team so much, but we can't appreciate them enough. I feel like I'm in a Sunday worship service right now. Dude, it's a preach in here, man. 
All right, so let's look at the numbers then before we get to the Mets in the World Series. One for four for Eski. He's your a- you know, ALCS MVP. Going through the lineup, one for three, the big home run from Ben Zobras to get things going in the bottom of the first as a right-hander against David Price. Ben, after the game, called it one of the biggest hits I'll ever have in professional baseball. Hopefully there's plenty more to come in the World Series, and hopefully the Royals are able to give that guy a three-year contract and have him retire at Royal. Lorenzo Cain scores the big run with a huge at-bat, getting the walk, has a hit as well. An RBI for Haas, driving him in. Kendrys one for four. How about a home run, two runs, two for four for Moose? And how about Alex Rios, another unsung hero on this team as of the last couple of weeks? Many Royals fans didn't think he'd be on the postseason roster, didn't want him in there. I can't tell you how many tweets I got saying that Orlando should start or Dyson should start or why is Rios here? Just release him. I had people asking me in September if the Royals would release Alex Rios. I'm like, why would they release Alex Rios? Been doing a good job, has Alex, since coming back from the chicken pox. Been an up and down year for him. He is a true professional, you can tell. He's a winner, you can tell. And it's good to see him finally getting a chance in the playoffs. That's a, that's a good story. And let's hope it goes on for another four wins this year. Last thing on last night, Udonna Ventura. What do we think of him? Five and a third allows one run on four hits, misses a decent amount of bats, five Ks, and two walks. Two things that stuck out to me, abandoned the windup, pitched out of the stretch the entire game, and pitched under control. It's like he sacrificed some velocity for some movement and location. Ventura refined himself and did a great job last night, no doubt about it. Gave his team a great chance. To win that game, especially when you got good David Price last night. David Price was good again. The poor guy's still 0 7, but that's fine with me. Let him win a playoff game when the Royals are no longer in it. How about five, six years from now? When he's in the twilight of his career and the Royals have their one year where they don't make it. How about that? Let's take that. Let him win then. Now, getting on to the New York Mets, let's look at this. The lineup. Let's just look one through five with this lineup. Typically, you're going to see Curtis Granderson in right field leading off. You've got David Wright at the hot corner. You've got Daniel Murphy at second. You've heard about him, the first ever player in postseason home runs in six straight games for Daniel Murphy. You can break down all the different ways he's been doing things. He's been tying Luke Gehrig for records. I mean, you just go on and on. This can't keep up. He never had hit four home runs in a month in his entire career. He has six in the last six games. I like, actually, that he's sitting around for, what, five, six days waiting for the World Series to start? Cool him off a little bit. Give him some time to sit in his hands. Make that beach ball turn back into a baseball that he's seeing when he's standing in the batter's box there. He'll be a key to the series, obviously, because between, you know, Wright and Cespedes is where he hits because Juana Cespedes playing center field. We know him well. He hits fourth, and Lucas Duda playing first. That's the one through five. That's the key part of the Mets lineup. Granderson, Wright, Murphy, Cespedes, Duda. Royals know Granderson well. They know Cespedes well. They usually do pitch Cespedes pretty well, too. In fact, really well during his Tigers days. Royals don't know much about Duda, obviously. Wright or Murphy. I mean, they know about him. They've got advanced scouts. They just haven't seen him a lot. There's plenty of guys in this team who have, though. Johnny Cueto. Benson, Volquez, Chris Medlin. So, I mean, there's plenty of guys on and on throughout this rotation and, and team that know these guys well. It's a good lineup the Mets have. I, I like the Royals lineup more, though, 
Although it does lose a dimension, obviously, when you go to the National League, you don't have Kendrys Morales. And at Rails Clubhouse, a tweet from Scott, no, you will not be seeing Hosmer in right field, or Morales at first, or vice versa. Not going to happen. Morales will just be a pinch hitter in those games. But remember, the Mets lose a bat, too. Mets have a pitcher. That makes it easier for the Royals as well. Now, when it comes to the Mets, so it's a good lineup. It's a good lineup that can score runs. I, it can score in a hurry. They can do a lot of things. I like the Royals lineup more, though. I give the Royals the edge in this. They're much better defensively as well. Now, starting pitching the Mets, obviously, a slam dunk in this series. And let's go through how they're going to line things up. And we don't know yet for the Royals. Pretty sure they're going to go Volquez, Ventura, Cueto. But no official announcement. Pretty sure that'll be Volquez, Ventura, Cueto. That enables you to get Ventura... Pretty much a guaranteed two-start. Same thing with Volquez and possibly Volquez even three times, although I doubt it. They'll probably go someone else in game four like Chris Young. Chris Young should actually do pretty well at City Field. A pretty fair ballpark, much more so than Toronto. So I believe you go Young in game four. And, you know, the one thing is you could argue, shouldn't Johnny Cueto go game two? You don't want him pitching on the road. If you pitch him game two, he goes game two at home and game six at home. But maybe the Royals just don't trust him at this point. They want to keep Ventura on regular rest. That would give him game two. It would be his regular turn through. And Volquez, of course, same thing for game one. I'd be plenty rested for game one. So I think he'd just go Cueto game three probably. Because also, Cueto is used to pitching in New York in, in that stadium. He's pitched there many times. So hopefully that, you know, and, and a pitcher. He, lo- he doesn't have to pitch against the DH if you start him in New York. One less big bat. In theory, a couple more easier outs for Cueto to get deeper into a game. Not to mention, if you pitch him in the third game, if he blows up again, you can just not pitch him again, period. If you pitch him earlier, though, you almost have to pitch him again in this series. So those are some reasons why I think that it goes Volquez, Ventura, Cueto. But getting to the Mets, they did announce Matt Harvey in game one. 13-8, and a 2-7-1 during the regular season for the right-hander, a first-round pick out of North Carolina. 25 years old, and this year, as all the Mets starters do, he misses bats. All the Mets starters get about a K per inning, and all the Mets starters throw over 95 miles an hour. That's good for the Royals. The Royals hit the fastball better than anybody else in the major leagues, and the Royals strike out less than anybody else in the major leagues. About 500 less times than the Cubs, the Royals struck out. 500 less times-ish during the regular season. So that's something to remember. But 189 innings for Harvey, 188 Ks. He's a tough hombre. 13 and 8, a 271. But remember, we in my book, you always add a half run pitching in the American League. So he becomes a 3-2 guy in the American League. Not quite as intimidating, still damn good. But to me, he becomes a 3-2 guy. He's not Jake Arietta. He's pitched better that way, you know, throughout the postseason, as have the Mets. As good, actually better than Arietta, who kind of disappointed in the postseason, probably because he's overused all year. Still my side young winner, though, by the way, in the National League. So Harvey game one, you've got Jacob DeGrom game two, another right-hander. He's 14-8 and eight with a 2-5-4 during the year. Ninth-round pick back in 2010 out of Stetson University. Uh, DeGrom, 191 innings, misses bats, 205 Ks, their best pitcher. 26 years of age is DeGrom. Good thing is you only see him twice in this series since he pitches in game two. Good news. Only going to see him twice. DeGrom will be the toughest one to beat of the four the Royals will see in this series. Game three, Noah Syndergaard, 9-7, and seven, a 3-2-4. Adding a half run, 3-7, okay, still good, not great. 150 innings, 166 Ks. Another 2010 draft pick. What a 2010 the Mets had. First rounder, just 23 years of age. Finally, the Royals will see Steven Matz in game four. Their only left-hander the Mets have in that rotation, which bodes well for the Royals, of course, who have... The three big left-handed bats and a couple of switch hitters in that lineup. Matt's 
only started six games this year. He battled injuries all year, had a torn lat muscle first part of the year, had a sore back as the playoffs came close. So Matt's a question mark when it comes to innings. Goes about six a start. 35 innings, 34 Ks. 2009 second rounder out of high school. He's 24 years of age. Rotation is damn good for the Mets. I don't think they have the high guy that the Royals have seen, the high number one. Although, well, that's not true. I think Degrom, you have to say, is a high number one. But I don't know that I'd. I don't know that I'd put Degrom quite at the level of Keuchel and Price. Is that bad to say, or is he the exact same? He might be better. I don't know. I haven't seen him enough. I know DeGrom's damn good. I just He's right-handed. I, the Royals hit right-handers better. I feel more comfortable with this lineup going against three right-handed pitchers than I do against Dallas Keuchel and Scott Kazmir and all these lefties or David Price. I just like the fact that the Mets only have one lefty in that rotation, A, and we're only going to see him once. The Royals will only see Mats once in this series. So only one lefty will they see, and the Royals hit the fastball well. That's what the Mets throw. The Mets strike out a lot. The Royals don't when it comes to hitting versus the pitching. And the Mets have a damn good rotation. You're going to see a top-of-the-line guy every day pretty much in this series, but they're all beatable. Even DeGrom's beatable. The Royals can beat him. He's their ace, though. So Harvey, probably going to see him three times in this series because I believe it goes seven and the Royals win. There's a spoiler alert for you. DeGrom, game two. Syndergaard, game three. Matt's four. Then I'm sure you go back. Harvey. It's possible Harvey could go game four. They could move Matt's out, by the way. But Harvey, game one and five for sure. DeGrom, you're going to see two and six. Send the guard three and seven, you would think, unless Harvey goes seven. So there you go. The back end of the bullpen, of course, includes the star closer, Familia. They're good. Very good bullpen as well for the Mets. They can pitch. They've got guys out there like Tyler Clippard, some names you'll know like Bartolo Colon, Addison Reed. So you go through, it's a very good bullpen. It's a very good Mets team. I just think the Royals are the better team. I'll admit, before the last week, I didn't know a ton about the Mets. I knew the Royals opened with them next year. I knew they were a good team. I knew they had great pitching and, and, and you know some nice acquisitions like getting you know Cespedes, getting guys like Murphy in the past. But I mean, I knew Bartolo Colon took a spectacular slip, by the way, in the clubhouse. Did you see that video? Make sure you Google it if you haven't. The Royals are the better team. They've got a better lineup. I'm trying to take the blue glasses off and look at this. They're better defensively. They can do more things. They're younger. Offensively, they can. I, I just like them. Mets' big advantage when it comes to starting pitching. I like the Royals in those games in New York, too. I like them not facing a DH. The Royals do better in National League parks. They're one of the best teams when it comes to interleague. The last five years, the last three, they are the best. I like the Royals in this series. I do believe it'll go seven, though. I think this is a Game 7 series. I think this will be a epic World Series with the Royals winning in Game 7. So I hope you enjoyed our special dish recapping the ALCS Game 6 and kind of previewing the World Series. Love to hear from you at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter, clubhouseconversation.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Hit me up, Facebook-style Clubhouse Conversation. It's Dave O'Brien on Facebook. Not to be confused with Dave O'Brien from the Red Sox, their announcer. We'll talk to you again, I guess, on Tuesday evening. Uh, Expect some good interviews coming up as well. I've got plenty of former Royals. actually got about five or six lined up coming up here, uh, heading into the offseason. Plenty of those, and we'll always get back to our current Royals interviews during the season. But a winner full. So even when this World Series ends, and we, we don't want this ride to end. I mean, we want it to end eventually in a championship, but we want to just you know ride this thing out, man. Enjoy it. 
Because again, like talking about taking for granted, I, I, that's kind of been a theme of this. Don't ever take for granted the ride either. Enjoy the ride, no matter what happens. No matter what happens, it's been a hell of a year and a successful year at this point. You won the AL Central. You won the division for the first time in 30 years. That was a goal. You got back to the World Series and faced better teams than you saw last year. This is no matter what a successful season for the Royals. But now let's enjoy the ride and let's finish it, damn it. Let's finish this thing off, polish it off with the World Series, enjoy the ride, and get ready for plenty of interviews to keep you entertained, plenty of thoughts all winter long on Clubhouse Conversation. Bookmark us, appreciate you telling a friend, and we'll talk to you again Tuesday night. Go Royals!